This is part two of the More to Come new MochaFest special. We now return to our episode in progress. Hi, this is Heidi McDonald, and I am here with Tucker Stone, a man of many, many uh, uh, business cards. Uh, he's involved in publishing, he's involved online, he's involved in retailing, um, he just had a baby. So how does he do it all? But uh, Tucker, you were also on the uh, steering committee for MOCA, yes. correct? Yes. Um, and so how, how, how are you like the show? So you're here on Sunday, so... Well, I definitely, there's a lot of stuff that happened um, on the steering committee that we wanted to have changed, that, like the physical appearance of this. There were a lot of publishers that we knew weren't interested in returning to MOCA mm-hmm. after the last few years. And so having all of those people, for the most part, um, as, and I can't name them... I pretty much think everybody who was displeased the last few years has made it back, uh-huh. and, uh, and and that's obviously them taking the time to take a trip, right. to buy plane tickets, to fly out here on their own dime. It's a, that's that's right. the, that's a vote of confidence. It's a lot more than just somebody saying, "Oh, we liked it." They actually put money down and said, "We're going to take a chance and trust that Anel specifically um, actually means what she says, and right. she's a straight shooter." Right, right, and I think that I think that's very much proven. And there's a pretty good crowd here. I mean, there's been crowds yeah. both days. I think the audience is. We talked to Fanagraphics. They said, you know, that their sales yesterday are double what they were um, than last year. Right. And so, wow, I mean, that's okay. the kind of stuff that, like, people are, yeah, yeah people are buying stuff. You so that's, yeah. You know, I mean, it's always nice to have, like, a turnout. But, I mean, I think the last few years have shown you that, like, if you have a turnout and you don't have people aren't happy and people aren't buying stuff, it doesn't right. really matter. Right, right. There is that je ne sais quoi of... Mm-hmm. Uh, what people uh, I, well it's very competitive to be honest I mean TCAF is such a great show SPS is such a great show um, yeah, yeah. Stumptown so I mean it well, is I kind of like I mean honestly that's the thing about MOCA is MOCA like when it when it started it didn't have I mean SPX was I think competition for it but TCAF wasn't yeah. as much competition right. as it is now and like you look at TCAF and then the Brooklyn Comics Graphics Festival has set the bar so much exactly. higher that you can't just be like well we're the New York show yeah. that's tied into some museum that people don't really know much about or care about throughout the year right. and like and like the same complaint that had always been made by people like Ad House and all that where it's like you're doing this big show where Fanagraphics Drawn and Quarterly Picture Box Ad House those are the draws and then you have a museum that that doesn't right. do shows with those people. Right. Like if that right. and the society is obviously like they're they're doing stuff that interests comics people. Right. That's right. Um, well, speaking of publishing, now you also work at Bergen. Actually, you're a partner in Bergen Street Comics. Yeah, I'm comics. a partner now. Yes, Bergen right. Street comics. So, yeah. uh, and uh, now you, the Bergen Street Comics, has just put out its first book. Right. Yeah. Tell us about that. Um, well, we've been sell- We've always sold like self-published small press. It's always been a big part of the store, uh, both because our neighborhood is a lot of cartoonists, and um, so. Fife, Michel Fife's series Copper, which he's been doing for a while now, has been a really big seller for us. And then because of guys like Chris Sims, uh, who writes for Comics Alliance, their support has drawn that comic from just the small press world into like somewhat of a mainstream entertainment. And I'm, so for us, when Fife said that he was reaching a point where he was going to have to turn down stores that were asking to buy it out in California, stores were starting to want to buy Copper and carry it. I, I mean, I talked to Tom. We had talked for well, the last year off and on that maybe we want to publish something, but we didn't know what. And this was one of the rare comics where it's like both Tom and I saw eye to eye. We're both as enthusiastic about this. Because there's a lot of stuff that I like that Tom doesn't like. Right. There's a lot of things that Tom likes that I have no interest in. And so whenever we find those things that we both care about and that we both want to get behind, then it was like, okay, well, let's do this. But then it was, how do we make this work? And so that's when we came up with the idea of, well, let's reprint what's not available so that people can jump on board now. Let's do it with B-Face printers so it looks the same, so we're not like turning this into right. something that it's right. not. And um, But it was a really easy decision, although it had to be made very quickly. Right. Because right. it basically was like, I'd say five weeks ago, 
is when FIFA said, hey, I'm, I'm going to say no, I texted Tom. Tom immediately said yes. So like two hours later, we were talking about how are we going to pay for it. And then Mocha is here now. We're like, well, obviously, let's debut it at this. And then and then my wife went into labor. And so I was like, I was, he was like texting me pictures. He was like, is this okay? And I'm like, I guess it's okay. And he was like, what do you want to call it? I was like, I don't really care. Just call it, just make it come out. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I'm so, having a baby here. Can't yeah, you see like, that? I yeah. Just, yeah, that was the only text I think I responded to except for my mom's right, text. Right, wow. Um, well, I, I, that's great. I mean, so do you think that you're going to do more of yep. this? Or? Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, we don't know what yet. Maybe it's... Maybe we're just going to be in the copper business for a while, which yeah. would be fine. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of the things we like already have publishers. Garth Ennis doesn't need right. me to publish his awesome war comics. Right, you know? right. But, um, but there's stuff that we're interested in. There's comics that are out of print that I would love to, I would love to print right, and do. Okay. And you know, we don't want to just do uh, a staple comic. Although this is specifically we wanted to do it this way. But yeah, we want to do like awesome hardcovers. We want right. to do like cool looking art right. books and everything. Right. And it's always nice to have stuff. That makes it worthwhile to go to a store. That makes it worthwhile to talk to somebody. That makes it worthwhile to look at. We right. would like to do that. Well, let me talk a little bit about the retail side of things. Also, um, I mean, Bergen Street is known as, uh, like you say, you're in kind of a family-oriented neighborhood. Uh-huh. Uh, so you have a pretty wide-ranging. I mean, I've seen events there that were mostly kids. Yep. Um, for uh, for Raina Telgemeier, you had a huge bunch of, of, of kids in there for drama. Uh-huh. Um, and also, you do indie, hardcore indie books. I mean, how do you see? The material uh, evolving there. I mean, you also do things with Marvel and DC. So, I mean, it, it, is uh, is any one kind of material doing better nowadays, or what's 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 doing well? What's the, well, the thing, what's the hot trend, Tucker? I, the thing about us is that we are moving more and more towards uh, kids' comics, mm-hmm. and and moving far, kind of further into the indie self-published stuff. Um, although, I mean, I think Fantagraphics and Drawn and Quarterly, their big books are right. always going to be big books. Like a New York Times like sure. reviewed book about you know politics or whatever is always going to be a big book. Right. But um, for us, I think more and more, it's responding exactly to your neighborhood and community because we aren't really a, we're not like a website that ships things around very much. I mean, we're going to do that for Copra, but for the most part, what we sell you can get anywhere. So we need to like relate to the people who actually live in our neighborhood. Sure. And so and right now, the people who live in our neighborhood they want to buy an Allison Bechdel comic. And they want to buy kids' comics. They want to buy like well-made things that are well-bound that they can beat up and bang around that they can give to a two-year-old and they can stick it in its mouth. Like that's more and more you see right. that. That's how those things work. That's why like for us like uh, those tune books, you know, the paperbacks. Sure. Nobody wants the paperbacks. They'd rather right. pay like over double the cost so that the kid can beat it up. Like that's right. something that. But that's something I never would have guessed. I would have assumed it's comics. You want the cheapest, most easy format. But that's not what the neighborhood wants. And so we're. More and more, this past year especially, we've moved for like, what does our neighborhood want? And less and less, like, what's what's well-reviewed is always going to do somewhat well, but the main thing is just react to these right. people right. and cater events to them, you know? Like, our, we have a lot of girls who come in and ask about Raina all the time. Right. And right. the same, and those girls will come wherever she is and support whatever she does. Right. Uh, people like George O'Connor, who does the Olympian mm-hmm. series, yeah. they want to see those people and they want to be around them. So whatever they do, we're always going to try and support. Right, right. Yes, and it's going to be easy to do. You know? Yes, you may have heard a squalling child in the background here. They just tried to give it a new 52 book, and yeah. that was the result. So, oh, meow. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, well, that's great. I mean, it is it is wonderful. Bergen Street, of course, is a, a you know a icon as a neighborhood store that seems to do things and uh, much loved in the community. Uh, well, Tucker, thank you so much yeah, for taking you. some time, and uh, you know, good luck with all your endeavors and uh, new fatherhood. Yeah, thanks a lot, Heidi.
Okay, once again, this is uh, Calvin Reed, and we're sitting down uh, with Marguerite Van Cook and James Romberger, the uh, co-creators uh, of Seven Miles a Second, the uh, autobiography of David Wanarovich. Um, we're here at MoCA, and uh, we're going I wanted to, to talk with them. We're old friends. Um, they, besides being uh, fabulous artists in their own right. They're kind of legendary figures on the Lower East Side art scene, music scene, you name it. Um, thanks for uh, talking with us on uh, the podcast. It's more to come, and it's the PW Comics World Podcast. So, Marguerite, thanks for uh, giving us some time. Well, we're, we're always delighted to speak with you, Calvin. And uh, we're really happy to be at MoCA this year. It's a really great experience. Great. And James? Oh, it's good to talk to Calvin Reed, a great artist in his own right. <laughs> and, and at MoCA, where there's, I've met and talked to uh, countless brilliant talents. They are very uh, much like yourselves. So so just I just want to give our audience a little bit of notion of just what 7 Miles a Second is and give it some context. And either one of you can start off. Uh, well, obviously, it's the autobiography of David Wanarovich. And for those who may not know who David is, maybe you could tell us a little well, bit. Well, David was a, a artist, a writer, a filmmaker. Uh, he uh, he went after he was diagnosed with AIDS. He really took on a, a sort of a leadership role amongst the people stricken with the disease. And uh, in the time, you know, a couple of years before he died of it. Uh, he really became a, he became an actual legendary figure yes. to 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 the people that you know were suffering from this and uh, you know directly affected how how it was legislated how how the medical establishment dealt with it uh, and and uh, you know we we lost a tremendous amount of people but David still resonates with a lot of people absolutely and he also he resonates with a lot of gay youth. And it's kind of a voice for them, I think. Yes, yeah. you know? And the memoir itself, Marguerite, maybe you could talk to us just yeah, a little bit the, about um, that. The memoir itself starts with um, David as a child hustling on the streets of New York, which is pretty scandalous and pretty frightening. And uh, so this isn't a light Basically read. turning tricks in Times Square. Exactly, yeah. exactly that. And it goes on from there into his teens as a young man living on the streets, hustling and um, being a gay youth. And I, I'm, I think one of the things that... He was really um, passionate about was bringing forth, you know, his experiences as a young gay man, and uh, he was also abused by his father. And um, so the first parts of the story deal with that, and then this last part um, we worked on after he was diagnosed with AIDS, and um, James constructed the memoir from his diaries, and there's a lot of the material is nowhere else in the writings, which are um, available in, in book forms. And so, um, and you did the uh, uh, the coloring, and, yeah. of course. Yeah, and I worked on the mm -hmm. color. And uh, now, did you both work on this on adapting David's writings, or who? James really did. Uh, did James, on the, yeah. you you did most of the uh, you did the. Uh, well, I adapted it from a you know long form prose that yeah. he mm -hmm. he gave me piles of like sort of you know, dream journals, like transcribed monologues by like odd characters he met in his travels, and and uh, I sort of like. Cut them, took pieces that would work in the comics medium, and kind of cut them up into this long scroll, and then sat and you know developed them into pages. And uh, like he saw the first two parts finished, and so we agreed on how that that was laid out. Because he, he passed away before he the book was finished. He passed away in uh, 1992, yeah. I think. Right. The book was finished 
like a really a year, maybe two years later. I had for the last part. We'd had some discussions. We'd had some meetings, but I had to like go through his final journals that his uh, Tom that uh, runs his estate gave me access to, and uh, I put something together that really kind of quite closely resembles what we talked about. But of course, I don't think he really saw his story as ending the way it did. Mm-hmm. I mean, people don't really see themselves dying. So, uh, I mean, certainly when we when we started the book, he hadn't actually been diagnosed yet. Mm-hmm. So, by the end. Uh, well, he dies at the end. So here you have actually a book where, you know, where the writer writes his own death. I'm not sure if there's another book that <laughs> yeah, that takes yeah. that form. So, so the, the the publisher of this new edition, because the book was originally published in in one form by Vertigo, or was it well, DC? It was, it was Vertigo. Uh, yeah. Actually, it, it kind of sat on the desk at Vertigo for a while, and they, and they didn't think that they could do it until uh, the actual president of DC Comics actually saw the work in a gallery and then went back and... And that was and, Jeanette Kahn at the yeah, time. Yeah, she, mm-hmm. she enabled them to publish it. Mm-hmm. So at that point, Karen Berger started a line called Vertigo Verite to, to deal with you know more real-life, fantastical real-life works yeah. that she had, uh, since she had Peter Cooper and a couple other things. But I don't think that, that line really continued past that. But it was incredible that DC published this book. So, I mean, I, I give them credit for doing that. Meanwhile, they, they didn't bring it back to press. So, really, another you know couple decades went by. It was like pulling teeth to get somebody else to do it. And I probably should have gone to Fantagraphics a little earlier than I did. But it, when I did, finally, they were like, oh, wow. Well, yeah, I used to we'll tell you this. to go to Fantagraphics. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but tell, tell us a little bit about the new edition, because this is an edition that really seems to be what you always wanted the book to yes. be. Yeah, it is. And um, one of the things, for me, the color in this is, is how I did it, how I conceived it. Mm-hmm. When we first began working on it, uh, we'd just come back from France, and they have a, the, a blue line system where they overlay mm-hmm. the print on top of your color. But here, it was, at that time, it was digital. Everything mm-hmm. had to be turned into digital work, which, to, to a large degree, flattens out and smooths yes. out all of the hand mm-hmm. coloring. So now, Fantagraphics allowed us to have it at the size we wanted it, which is big. Yes. And with the color, the way it was originally done and conceived of, with the hand lettering as we had done it, and we got our discs back on the cover, which uh, James had been passionate about that, and David, you know, because they were Kirby fans. Sure, absolutely. And it was actually based on a a Jack Kirby idea. (laughs) So um, we we just just loved the fact that they did this book, and they've done such a great job of of making it available. um, Because one of the things with David's work, Recent, I mean, even recently, there was a um, the Smithsonian had a portrait exhibit, and um, there was a protest about some of his work, and it was pulled out, and then there was a protest about it's, putting it back in. And this it, is it not continues. the first time it, yes. this has happened with David. Yeah. So, you know, it's very important for us to have the, his legacy out there. The, the topic of AIDS is still mm, relevant, and you know, so we we're beyond just the the format of the book being superb now. Yes. We love it the way yes. they let us have it. You know, it was also that just again that it's a yeah his legacy lies and and now to be uh, to just to start wrapping it up you also uh, you're talking about another book that you've just done and it's this is sort of a family production in many ways uh, post York um, a book that you're publishing with uncivilized books right right well Tell us you a know bit about that. one of the things that, and one of the great things about Mocha is that it's the kind of one of the nexuses of a very vital form of comics that isn't really based on the kind of corporate superhero, uh, uh, you know, character property thing that's connected with the movies. It's more like 
young people putting together their books themselves, yes. distributing them, you know, on alternative networks. And, you know, this is really a more of a literary, literary art movement. And, you know, I became aware of, like, people like, you know, I just met J- Dash Shaw or, or, like, Gabriel Bell, mm-hmm. people like that. And actually now I, I have a book out through the same publisher that does Gabrielle's work, which is Uncivilized Books, which is called Post York. It's kind of a, looking at what would happen in New York after the ice caps melt. And we, I was working on it actually before the hurricane that just flooded New York. It actually came out on the, on the you know, pretty much right as that happened. Yeah. And uh, so it's a, it's a straight narrative. I drew my son kind of floating through Crosby Manhattan. Romber. Yeah, Crosby, Crosby, Romber. Crosby. And Crosby actually also hip-hop recording a, artist wrote, as well he wrote a hip-hop song which he raps and it's it, it's attached to the comic as a flexi disc and you can also get the song online yeah. so this is like you know it's a multi it becomes a multimedia Indeed collaboration as comics into the multimedia and it's very era. topical as <laughs> a lot of these books in the alternative tend to be yeah. it was really fun to be here with our son you know sort of all at one table you know that was kind of you know first yeah, absolutely I think, you know. right and we'll be performing that song uh, on Wednesday night at Bob Sukoriak's Carousel at Dixit Place so. ah uh, when is this going to happen oh it's it's Wednesday night I this, this coming Wednesday o'clock at Dixit right. Place in New York City. our pi- our podcast audience won't be able to go to that but in any event but th- just to wrap this up give us a couple of impressions about Mocha now I mean in some ways this is a new mocha. It's under new direction right now. And uh, how, how has your experience been this weekend? Well, I've had a great time. And, you know, one of the things I, that I just, I love is that I'm seeing so many young women in comics. Yes. And, and I stopped over one table of uh, M Moonbase comics. And okay. I, was, I just pulled up because it's all young women sitting yeah. there. And, and for <laughs> What's me not to, to see, like? to come to a, con- you know, to come to a convention like this, it's not just, you know, all of the wrestling and the, uh, <laughs> I won't even go down I that I think we road. know what you're, what you're trying to say. And um, you see how they accommodate, you know, this, this yes. young generation of artists. It's just fantastic. It's, it's, it's another world of comics. And yeah, it's, a, and it's really a world is. that we've all been waiting to kind of well, get here. Well, very multicultural, yes. very, you know, Absolutely. it's gender inclusive. Inclusive. It really is just a much more welcoming. It's a very welcoming atmosphere. And uh, and and now in this new era where uh, Mocha is under the direction of the Society of Illustrators, uh, it's there's it's a whole new vibe in my view and and direction too. Well, I used to love the to, ones at the Puck Building, but this is the first one I really even like better than the ones. At there, the Puck okay, Puck there you go. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, uh, Marguerite and James, Thank you, uh, for talking with more to come. Hi, I'm uh, Heidi McDonald here from More to Come, and I'm here with Jason Little, uh, the cartoonist behind Shutterbug Follies, B Comics, and and now Borb. Jason, what is Borb? Who is Borb? (laughs) Borb is a smelly homeless man, uh, and uh, he's the star of a daily strip that uh, depicts uh, his uh, ghastly misadventures. So, so how long have you been been doing this? Exactly three weeks. Now, what made you want to do this daily comic strip on the internet? It, uh, I, I had this image of a character of this sort of like lumbering, shambling, cringing, destitute man, mostly haunting the subway, um, and he was just rattling around in my head for years, and eventually, like, he, he would percolate up as a as an idea for a comic and one particular format. I was thinking of, of using like photographic backgrounds shot in the subway with drawings, character drawings sort of pasted into that. I discarded that. 
And then uh, I realized that I needed to sort of generate a new body of work rapidly to sort of acquire a new generation of readers <laughs> as, as quickly as I could. Okay. And so the idea of a daily as also as a, a discipline exercise um, seemed like the best thing. And so more of just fit into that really well. So uh, so since you've been doing it daily, you've been doing it daily for three weeks? Yeah. What's your production schedule like? It's um, pencil... Uh, a whole week's worth in a day. Wow. And then ink a whole week's worth the following day. And then that gives me three extra days that I can play with. Right. And have you been able to do this? Um, it's, it's sort of hit or miss. Like sometimes things conspire to get in the way. But I haven't missed posting a day yet. So that's wow. a good sign. Well, that's impressive. And for those who haven't seen it, well, uh, it's drawn in a style that definitely recalls the classic comic strips. I mean, it's beautifully detailed. I mean, you haven't been stinting on it, as far as I can tell. It's like cross-hatched. And are, are you you're doing it with on the computer, or are you doing it with a brush? I'm, or doing, how you... I'm doing it all uh, tiny, so the I can fit three strips on a sheet of copier paper. Um, and uh, uh, I started drawing it big, but it just took too long, and I followed Dustin Harbin's example. If you've ever seen his original yeah, art, they're yeah, tiny. They're, they're it's almost like a postcard. Yeah. Um, and so I realized that the secret to working faster is to work smaller. Uh, okay. So I started using a 102 nib, which is the teeny weeny nib. And uh, and I've been looking at Harold Gray and Mutt and Jeff. And uh, my character's starting to feel a little bit like a VT Hamlin character a little bit. He's got yeah, a big he, yeah, definitely definitely a little uh, family tree there. Yeah. So. so now you're talking about doing this webcomic to get a new generation of readers. I mean... Yeah. I mean, you were doing an Activate comic. I think that's the last we saw, which was B, who was your kind of uh, uh, Snoopy girl photographer who happens into crime, right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, is there anything ongoing with that character? Or Absolutely, how did, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've, I've written the plot for a whole new B book mm-hmm. in which I sent her to college. Ah. And that then becomes a container for all my memories of college <laughs> and all the fantasies of what I wished college was like. Um, but... Uh, I'm I'm sort of adding more character complexity uh, with this new story in that her father has bipolar disorder and he's this total mess and he comes and like visits her at college and then won't leave. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So so how are you going to present this book? Is it going to be serialized online or do you hope to do it in print first? Or? Um, I th- I actually my uh, my most recent idea is to serialize it as like two color like mini comics. And then, like, do an issue of that, and then take that material and do it in full color on the web. Oh, so mini okay. first, and then on the web. Um, and then once I've got a book's worth, then right. full color graphic novel. Right, yeah. right. So yeah. are you, uh, it seems like like many cartoonists uh, of your generation, you're actually uh, faced right now with the plethora of mediums to get your stuff out, and yet monetization remains uh, elusive. Is that yeah. accurate? Yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, have you? I, I, the, I mean, how does Borb fit into that? that? The the only thing that I can think of is that since the strip is small, mm-hmm. and I and I I'm going to set up my website with Borb in it, with like also a button that says just buy this piece of art. Mm-hmm. Ah. Um, okay. So I was thinking buy this piece of art and then an actual tip jar, mm-hmm. spare change for Borb, mm-hmm. um, which I've resisted up until now. And then maybe I can also have a donation button to give money to a, like a homeless chair. Right. <laughs> oh, that is very. Yeah. That would be really, really nice, actually. Yeah. Um. So, 
I mean, do you, do you think you'll get enough to print up, or I mean, the book? I, I would buy a Borb book. You just gave me a little mini comic, and yeah. I love it. And then, well, I, I mean, I can totally see a whole book of Borb's mishaps, and they're pretty gruesome and, and amusing, at least to my taste. So. Yeah, I'm giving myself at least three months. Okay. So in three months, I'll have like 80, 80 strips or uh-huh. something like that. So that could be a book. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess there's more to come, as we say. Well, thanks, Jason. Sure, no problem. Thank you, Heidi. Okay, once again, this is Calvin Reed, and we're uh, well, we're not quite on the floor of Mocha, but we're in the basement in the uh, in the cafe. But yes, we're in the, the cafe. Uh, another uh, a new feature at, at Mocha this year. Um, uh, but we're talking with Mark Siegel, editorial director of uh, First Second Books, an author uh, in his own right, obviously with Sailor Twain. But uh, first, we really want to talk about. I mean, some of the big books, or at least a couple of the big books, because you have many really terrific books. Maybe talk about uh, a couple of big books that you're showing off here at, at MOCA, and uh, maybe tell us a few things about it. Yeah, so right now, um, there's Relish, My Life in the Kitchen by Lucy Nisley, uh, which is which is awesome, and we've had so many requests on it. She also had her own table. We must have sold about 175 copies here. We've had awesome. to run back to the office to get extra boxes because <laughs> she was selling out. And, and, and I bought a couple copies of her other books, and she's got a, a few yeah, things on well, sale at her own table. Milk, which is a beloved yes. book. And, and, and a so, pretty yeah. little book, which is sort of a collection of uh, some of her color comics, which are just delightful. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and, and I mean, look, My Life in the Kitchen, you know, it's just, it's incredible. It's, it's, so it's, it's a food book. It's a foodie yeah. book, yeah, yeah. And it's, but it's like a real comic, and there's already people coming by that say they've tried the recipes that are in it, and it's just like, anyway, that's a magnificent book, and it's, and it's everywhere. It seems to be spreading like like real fire. And then there's uh, the the newest, the fifth installment in the Olympian series by oh, George yes, O'Connor, and yeah. this is an incredible. You know, it's it's a it's a huge, vast work that he's developing, <laughs> where he's following the twelve major gods with yes. this incredible, incredible research into the authentic Greek myths with the earliest source material, but done in this kind of Kirby tradition yes, comics, mm-hmm. real American comics. And those are incredible, and, and it feels like we're we're just breaking through. You know, it's like it's a it's on the New York Times bestseller list, and it's this is awesome. It's like suddenly it feels. Now, like are you getting the, real school adoptions for these? Oh, is yes, that, oh yes, yes, yes. Because you've really put together a real franchise. With yeah, these, it yeah. really is, and now it feels like it's really kicked into high gear, mm-hmm. and it's like, and people get the idea that it's like, okay, we're heading for the twelve major gods here, and this is going to yeah. be like Dolaire's books on Greek myth. Yeah, you know, this or is be mythology. That's what I read yeah, when yeah, I was yeah, a kid. Yeah. It was just the, this collection of all these the great. And it's like the reference, you know, and it's becoming that for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I'm really proud of that. I feel like, you know, George is really, he's stuck to this really mm-hmm. ambitious program. And it's like, and they do, they get better and better. And it's, he, he manages to weave all these different things into some yes. very good storylines. So that's going on. We have, I mean, there's a number of stuff. This year, 2013 is kind of what First Second, this was the dream for First Second, is what, what 2013 looks like. You know, there's like, for every age, we have like the Sarah Varen book that's coming soon, uh-huh. with Cecil Castellucci, called Odd Duck, which is a gem. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, the one that everybody's been asking us about, ah. Battling Boy, yes, Paul Pope. Paul Pope. And that, um, we, we actually had a galley here, and we had like, we've had... We've had some ridiculous offers to take it off our hands, and we had to say no. But yeah, that's hotly anticipated. There's gonna be there's gonna be all kinds of surprises yeah. along the way until it releases in October. But well, I've, I've seen a PDF of it, and the, the color is just stunning. Drops yeah. A lot dead. of people are talking about the color, and I mean the line. And of course, work, his drawing the, is, yeah, is just some of his most beautiful, gorgeous, pages. sumptuous, yes, yes, uh, and words yes. like that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you there. And a great story too. 
and Paul is doing. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that are going to be rolling out around this. Um, so watch that space for sure. So tell us a little bit, of course, about uh, Sailor Twain. Um, Sailor Twain's yes. going. It's still going. Yeah. I'm still signing copies. It's uh, it's fun playing author as well. You know, I <laughs> I just came back from France and Italy for the foreign versions there. That that seems to be working. Um, German is next, and, okay. you know, so it's 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 going, it's going. I've got my own experiment in the mix. And as I've been asking in all the exhibitors uh, here at Mocha uh, to give me some of their early impressions of what I'm calling Mocha 2.0, right. and I'm, yeah. it's really Mocha under new management, the Society yeah. of Illustrators. Yeah. And what what are your early impressions of the show I mean, this I year? I think it makes you appreciate. You know, it's kind of cool what they were able to do with like no budget, because you mm -hmm. know, it's like yes, you know, of course, it, and it it, it, it survived um, year to year. And, it's different, you know. It has less of the zine convention kind of feel, but it, but um, I kind of I must say I think the classing up is 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 nice, you know. It's yeah. like having the red curtains, the I red mean, curtains that are you know, the armory yeah. could use a little <laughs> bit of color anyway, and like you know, so that that kind of makes things a little more a little more festive, you yeah. know. And, and I think the exhibit in the back, amazing, really amazing artwork, beautiful Jillian Tamaki pieces Absolutely. in there, and and these like, you know, original Pogo pages. And, and really showing, I think, a natural affiliation between the Society of Illustrators yeah, and which, MoCo. Yes, yes, which is like, you know, actually honoring honoring the, the history of comics as well as, like, the current production, mm -hmm. and that's, I think that's important. My sense is, like, you know, between the practical stuff, like the food and, like, getting, you know, some of that stuff, I think some of the media coverage also seems to be getting, you know, mm -hmm. they, they've got a bit of, of um, muscle power there that they're applying. Sure. If they can improve like they did this year, if they improve every year, it's going to be it's going to be a uh, totally indispensable show. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think it's, I feel to me this is positive. Like the yeah, net, net balance is very encouraging. Even where we're having this discussion right now, they they have a complete cafe set up right. that has yes. really been kind of in, indispensable in this really kind of self enclosed. You know, there are places to go in the neighborhood, but it's actually really nice to be able to drop down in a basement, take a uh, knock back. Have a beer, get a sandwich, yeah. whatever you want, and then run back it up to the floor. It makes a difference for your experience, you know. Absolutely. Like, and, and if you're flagging, you have a little. Place yeah, to, yes. Yeah. It's true. I mean, that kind of stuff. I think is like you can tell that somebody has put a lot of thought into, yes. like, okay, what does this need, and what you know, how to make it really happen. Have you, by any chance, uh, had a chance to meet or talk with Anel Miller, the executive director? Just no, curious. Just briefly in passing, but yeah. not really. Yeah. She's delightful. I'll yeah, just leave it yeah, at that. Yeah. That's, cool. That's great. <laughs> So, well, look, that's actually great. Uh, thanks so much, Mark, for Thank giving you, us some Calvin. time. Yeah. All right, all right. And now for the brief. DC Comics is bringing back their charity initiative, We Can Be Heroes, for a second year. This year, using the crowdfunding model popularized on Kickstarter. Using crowdfunding site Indiegogo and the motto, Fight the Hunger Crisis and Get Cool Batman Stuff, like an NPR pledge drive or a Kickstarter campaign, donors get prizes based on the level of their donation to hunger charities such as Batman digital comic downloads for a $10 donation, or getting drawn into Batman Earth 1 Volume 2 for $5,000. The Glyph Comics Awards, honoring comics by and for people of color, have announced their 2013 nominees. Standout nominees include Indigo Hit List, Monsters 101, and Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. The awards will be announced at the East Coast Black Age of Comics convention this May. The Comic Book Legal Defense Fund and its Manga is Not a Crime initiative have released a short documentary, Defending Manga, the Ryan Matheson Story, about the landmark 2010 case in which an American tourist was jailed after his computer was seized and found to have manga 
wrongly believed by border guards to be child pornography. More to come's 2012 New York Comic Con special included an interview with Matheson and the CBLDF's Charles Browns on this topic. Finally, the Hugo Awards Graphic Story nominees have been announced. Nominees include Granville Bet Noir, written and illustrated by Brian Talbot, Lock and Key Volume 5 Clockworks, written by Joe Hill, illustrated by Gabriel Rodriguez, Saga Volume 1, from Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples, Schlock Mercenary Random Access Memorabilia, by Howard Taylor, and Saucer Country Volume 1, Run, written by Paul Cornell, illustrated by Brian Kelly, Jimmy Broxton, and Goran Suzuka. And that's it for more to come this week. Thanks for tuning in.